0: Uh, There is food back there, if you want leftover food, if you want to take a tray of it for $3, uh, they're quite happy to sell it to us. The couple of things coming up, there are two sessions in this next week. Uh, Both very interesting, appeals to different groups perhaps. On Tuesday evening at the library from 7 to 8.30, building a bike path linking Lethbridge and Coldale. Good idea, but where could the funding come from? Henry Dovey and Alvin Fritz are doing that. for. for so 7 to 8.30 Tuesday at the library, main branch, Community room upstairs. And then our regular session next Thursday. And uh, a, a local person coming back to talk about are women premiers in Canada less likely to be re-elected than men? And Dr. Melanie Thomas is going to speak to that. Um, And she's an associate professor of political science at the University of Calgary, and that's just one of her research areas. So it should be very interesting. And uh, I hope you have talked together and come up with some interesting questions. Uh, Christine is um, prepared to listen to our questions and give her responses. Uh, Like she has a choice, right? Um, so, if I could remind you that when you come up, give your name. If I could have your attention, I'd appreciate it. Uh, come up to the mic when you're ready to speak, ask a question, give your name, and ask your, a little intro if you need to do that, uh, and ask your question. Keep them topical and short and polite, please. So, respectful. Here comes Christine. Thank you.
1: Right. Hello.
2: Hi, my name is Peter Beale. And uh, 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 Is it not on?
3: <laughs> Testing.
2: Oh Okay. My name is Peter Beale, and I need your comment on, on a thing about uh, male clubs suppressing female a uh, cultural involvement. What I'm really thinking about is uh, Rona Ambrose spill. Mm -hmm. passed the House completely that judges needed education. And uh, this male club of the Senate has obstructed that for over two years now after a unanimous movement by the House. And it'll probably die on the order table this year and and will have to be reintroduced. So I'd really like your comment on on that obstructionism.
1: (laughs) I don't know if I can really speak to obstruct, I can't even pronounce the word right now. I think part of it, we would love to see something like that act go through. The reality for any of us, uh, we're, again, uh, pretty full of ourselves if we think we never have to be re-educated or that things don't evolve in society as we grow. And the same thing for judges. They do need to be re-educated on what sexual violence is, what family violence is, and all these types of things, because we know different from what we did 5, 10, 15 years ago. When Mary and I were first starting in the field, there wasn't a a Family Violence Act. There wasn't uh, many of these laws regarding uh, sexual violence. Even sexual violence within a marriage wasn't recognized until, I think I was married uh, already when it was finally recognized in the criminal code. Things change as we go, and so the need for us to uh, increase our education, increase our knowledge and to evolve is necessary. I would hope that it gets passed in the Senate. I agree it probably will die on the floor, and, and that's where it's going to go. Hopefully it's going to come back again. Rona Ambrose has been out there. I just saw the interview the other day. She's very passionate about this uh, still going forward, so I'm hoping that she's getting some other people together to actually create some more movement on that. And if not to this time, then it'll be reconstructed and put forward again, I'm sure. I would think. Does that help?
4: Maybe not. Uh, Maria Fitzpatrick, and I'm going to apologize right up front, Mary. My question will be short, but I am making a comment. (laughs) So uh, you had said, Christine, that uh, the ages that come to the uh, Chinook Sexual Assault Center are 15 to 24. Is that correct?
1: No, that's not correct. Okay. Uh, We have seen children quite a bit younger, all the way to seniors, like in their (laughs) 70s, uh, well in their 70s, uh, coming to the center. Uh, Counseling services is only provided for 15 plus, and that's just because it's a different dynamic that's Mm -hmm. needed for counseling children. So on-site counseling is only for 15
4: plus. Okay, so that was my question. Okay. Now my comment. Okay. Uh, You had commented that, uh, and again, I'll have to check with you, the highest rate of uh, reported sexual assault is between 15 and 24. Uh, not
1: reported, but the highest rate um, of people who are sexually violated in our country are the 15 to 24-year-olds. they are 18 times uh, more risk for sexual assault than other populations.
4: Okay, I don't disagree that they're at mm. risk, but I would say that uh, them being um, the group, uh, I guess, most heavily uh, targeted, uh, I disagree with that. Okay. And I disagree with that because of my own experience. Mm-hmm and uh, I believe, uh, certainly I've met so many women that have been uh, sexually assaulted within their uh, marriages Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I believe uh, that rate is uh, way higher, uh, and it's higher because we have women in that group who were raised uh, in a, a manner socially that... Uh, the man had authority over Mm -hmm. what was going on in the relationship. And certainly 40 years ago when I went to court and charged my husband uh, with domestic violence, it hasn't changed very Mm -hmm. much. I spent 32 and a half years in corrections and uh, the number of offenders that I worked with that had committed sexual assault was astounding. And in fact um, some of them Uh, will change, but Mm -hmm. only will change when they listen and hear what you talk about in terms of attitude. Mm -hmm. And I think that attitude about respect for everybody has to happen at home. It has to begin when our children are born and go right through adulthood. I was considered my dad's property until I was 21. And... That still occurs today. So I yeah. think
1: in, re- in response to that, uh, yeah. that wasn't to say that that was the only demographic that actually gets targeted and, and sexually assaulted. That, in fact, if, you, if the rest of it was saying at the end, we see men, boys, mm-hmm. young girls, children, babies, uh, seniors. Uh, we see people, if they identify as men, women, it doesn't matter how they identify, trans, and we've had trans come into the center. Uh, th- we see this as not knowing any bounds. What we do take from Stats, and this is through Stats Canada, through the Canadian Women's Mm -hmm. Foundation, through research reports that have been done, you can only get the information that people are giving you at the time. We know it's a grossly underreported crime in this country and around the world. So again, you're only working with what you have. have. And so I agree. We know, having worked with domestic violence uh, for many years, that sexual violence was something often we never asked about as domestic violence workers until five years ago, Mm -hmm. right? And for many of the women that we dealt with, and men that we dealt with, uh, it was underscored. They said, really? We don't know if we're going to survive to tomorrow. Who cares about my sexual assault? Yep. Right? It's not until they work through those other layers and know that they can survive the next day that you're going to hear about the sexual assault. And so that's very true, Uh, but I wasn't to dispute or discount anyone who's been violated. We still have a long way to go. Absolutely, absolutely.
5: Mary, can I have your indulgence and ask two questions? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Colleen Quintel. Um, I'm a a former labor representative, Mm -hmm. a union rep, and I worked with public sector um, employers here in the city. And unfortunately, um, in my 20-year career, I dealt with more cases than I should have that had to do with Mm -hmm. sexual assault in the workplace. More often than not, the employee quit Mm -hmm. rather than... um, come to me or come to uh, someone in the workplace that could help them. My question is, does the Chinook Sexual Assault Centre provide education Mm -hmm. that can be passed on to employers and what to look for um, as an employer if they um, see a change of behaviour in an employee, for example?
1: Okay, so understand we've only opened our doors in January. And so this is actually one of the things that's part of our strategic plan right now is around sexual harassment and things we need to do with that. We wouldn't consider ourselves experts in that, but absolutely if someone comes to us, we would walk them through what they need to do and what can happen and go over the responses uh, with that. Quite often, uh, you know, when you make the fear, like with anything, when you go forward with a complaint is that you'll be dismissed from work, right? That is the big big fear. And we've seen that happen. Right? So yes, we've had some people come in our doors with that, so then we start to work through where their level of complaint can go, what the ramifications could be, what they could combat it with possibly. Interestingly enough, uh, next week, as part of the Sexual Violence Action Committee, we have uh, a fellow coming down from Calgary who's doing an, a breakfast session, uh, I think it may be sold out, but you can still go on Eventbrite and find it, uh, that's on sexual harassment in the workplace and what to do, So and it's geared towards the service industry. So, that's happening. So, we're looking at getting more information out to the public as well.
5: Okay. Kay. Thank you. You're welcome. Second question, and just bear with me. This is a little harder. I'm um, both a victim and a survivor of a childhood mm-hmm. sexual assault. Mm-hmm. 50 years, September 13th, it will be for me, and I'm still in counselling. Yeah. Do, does the, the new organization provide support groups and, um, for older women <laughs> like me?
1: Well, you know, uh, seasoned women like yourself. Uh, <laughs> seasoned women like yourself, uh, absolutely. We're moving towards having peer support groups starting later this spring. Uh, the first one is going to be focused around healthy relationships, so more in the fall. So I want to give you my card, Colleen, so that you can take that with you and give me a call, because then we can structure something around that. Uh, counseling is still available for people as well at the center free of charge for those that have, have recent or historic sexual assaults. We've had a number of people come in that they had a sexual assault incident um, when, it, or many incidents when they, when they were children, uh, including men that came in the doors to, uh, I, th- I don't even think I was open when someone wandered in. Uh, I had the door open because I think I was putting a desk together or something, and they came in to tell me, their story of what happened to them so this is very much a big need and yes it does have a huge impact on lives so we would like to offer that and it's coming in the fall and again we're just evolving with that because there's only so much we can do when we start when we open up the door to where we're going to to make sure the staff are ready to respond but yes we'd like to do that thank you very much for sharing that um I've got a question. Mm-hmm.
0: but I don't think it's on. Yeah, yes, it is. is. Okay. Uh, it might be helpful if you could explain the structure of your, your new... The centre? Centre, and what people can get there and where they can go from there.
1: Okay. Uh, so we're actually quite small. I keep hitting things. I'm sorry. Uh, we're actually quite small. We're located in the professional building on the fifth floor, so right across from ATB Financial. Our neighbour happens to be the Office of the Public Guardian, which is pretty cool, they're very friendly. Uh, When you come in or if you phone, uh, you'll be greeted by someone who will actually meet with you to hear what's been going on in your life. Again, it doesn't matter what age you are when you come in those doors. Um, We do operate under, uh, all sexual assault centres in the province can see uh, children as young as 12 if they are considered mature mature, uh, minors. And again, we we look at uh, the work that's been done by the College of Physicians and Surgeons, uh, which is, you know, with Sexual Health Center, you can go there when you're 12 to get the pill if you want, uh, if you're seen as a mature minor. So it's the same thing for us. We actually say 13 and up for our center. Um, We will hear what the story is, and we actually let them lead us on where they want to go. What is it that you would like to see happen? For some, they want to report to the police, so then we've actually worked out a police protocol Uh, because it was seen anything after 20 minutes after an occurrence of a sexual assault was seen as historic in the city. So our first advocacy effort was saying this isn't adequate because some of our victims waited for over 12 hours to make their report because it's not imminent danger. Uh, So it's now seen as a priority two in the city of Lethbridge and we actually get a police response within five minutes basically for someone to be able to make a report. So we help them with that report so we're there with them so they can understand the questions that are being asked. And we'll help them through the court process as well so they understand that. Knowing that sometimes the court process is the least, um, how do you say? Well, you know, it's not law and order. You aren't going to get 25 years to life in Canada for sexual assault. And sometimes you get a suspended sentence. Sometimes the person walks. Sometimes it's inadequate evidence. Sometimes, sometimes. And so it's also preparing them for what that outcome may be. That that may not be where they get the greatest satisfaction in their journey of healing. Uh, We also work on things like triggers and grounding exercises so they can make it through the next day, the next week. So there's certain things that can be done. Um, We will make the referrals to to counselling, and if they're young children, we find counsellors out in the community that can can help support them as well. Uh, We're working with some schools on bringing education into the schools and to work with certain populations that are wanting to talk and needing to talk. So we've had school counsellors call. We've gone out to Warner, we've gone to Tabor, uh, we're dealing with some people in Crowsness Pass and Fort McLeod right now. Uh, so we want to be as fluid as what we can to get out. We have five frontline staff. They're called system navigators. So we know that trauma also has a layering effect with people. So when you can't go to work, you can't pay your bills, you might lose where you're going to live. So to be able to deal with your sexual assault issues, then it's really important for us to first deal with where you're going to get the money from to actually pay for your rent to have a place to sleep. And so let's deal with some of those issues as well. And so we've actually helped people connect in some cases with AISH, uh, done the negotiation with AISH because you know one person was fairly explosive uh, because they got frustrated easily, which was also part of the trauma response. And so we were able to actually mitigate that and introduce people the right way and get things going and create an understanding of what some of that trauma response may be from this individual for them to actually get... Uh, Their their needs met so again, it's about stabilization dealing with the crisis management and going from there either with the hospital medical professionals Dealing with police and court support if they want that dealing with family and support people that may be dealing with someone who's um, Sexually assaulted because quite often we'll say okay. We've heard it. We believe them. We've given them support My god three months have gone by and they're still crazy. What am I going to do? Well, they aren't crazy This is their response to trauma. And so how do we support you then to support them and People need help. So that's what we try to do How's that in a nutshell? Sounds like I don't know what I'm doing, doesn't it? That's what we do.
6: Yeah. Hi, my name's Mike McCaig. Um, Background, I spent 45 years as a peace officer. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanna tell you first a little story that happened to me 60, I think it was 65 years ago. Uh, We had a gentleman come to our house who was uh, a very prominent lawyer in BC who was talking to my mom and dad and I remember him demonstrating how rape is not possible, he used a pen and a coffee cup to demonstrate if you kept moving the coffee cup, couldn't get the pen in it. No. Now, <laughs> my, when when he left, and that, that man, uh, when I was a peace officer, 40 years or 30 years later, was sitting as a Supreme Court just, judge mm-hmm. in the province of BC. Now, my mom uh, straightened that, Thing out pretty damn fast when mm-hmm. he left. Good for mom. Yeah. Um, so, and then a week ago we have a judge saying if a woman had kept her legs together, she wouldn't have been raped. A couple of
1: years so,
6: further. those are sixty years apart. So we haven't come very far. Having said that, one of the things that I recall is when my my first grandchild was born. I was having a conversation with my uh, daughter and son-in-law. And uh, we we got talking about sexual abuse and sexual assault, and I told them something and they they thought I was crazy. And what I told them was it was their responsibility to monitor their child and talk to their child and make sure that their child wasn't sexually abused. And I said, one of the main suspects that you should have is me. It's up to you to make sure that I am not abusing your child. And the same thing is it's up to you to make sure that the priest or the neighbor or the uncle... Mm-hmm. Because those were the people that I saw in my police work mm-hmm. that were abusing children the most.
1: And I would say those are very courageous conversations to have. So, uh, a lot of times people are, are inhibited from having those types of conversations uh, out of mm-hmm. fear that it would make it happen. Right? You talk about rape, it's going to happen. So even you know, a decade ago in certain schools in this territory. We weren't allowed to use the the words rape or sexual assault because, by God, it could happen on our campus and we don't want it to. But we need to have more of those courageous conversations. Thank you very much.
7: My name is Maureen Hawkins. I teach English at the university. And what I'm looking for are if there are any resources that can help me or other teachers. I've taught texts which deal with sexual assault. Mm And I've run into problems with, say, half a class not understanding the concept of consent, or students who've been raped not wanting to talk about a work in which rape occurs. Uh, Are there any resources to help me figure out strategies to teach these texts so that I don't just put them aside because I can't get students to deal with them? Right.
1: Um, Well, I think There's probably a few things, so we can connect after, or you have my email now, uh, so I can send you some things. I I think part of it, again, is our discussion, and sometimes it's the disclaimers that we give as well. We need to be respectful that, for some people, there are some major triggers that happen when we talk about rape or we use certain words. There's even triggers that happen that may seem really innocuous, the smells, the sights, Mm -hmm. the the colours, that may bring back flashes of what happened to them. Um, I know uh, some people were really triggered with the, I think it was Grey's Anatomy that had quite the episode on rape a few weeks ago, and there was a number of people that were triggered by that, and it just brought everything back in a flood. So there's no way that you can actually predict, probably, that you're going to create these types of triggers for your students. Uh, There are ways that you can do a disclaimer, though, so that there's a safety around that, or to give them the resources up front, that if you feel triggered by any of this information, here's the numbers to call. Uh, being launched on Monday is a new provincial uh, phone line, so I can't give much about that. You'll see it in the media come Monday. Um, so there's something for after hours that people can call as well. Uh, otherwise, I think there's certainly an abundance of resources out there that talk about dispelling things like rape myth or getting people prepared to, to, to have those conversations. So I can try and find them and, and send them to you. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome.
0: Annalise Le- Anna has found a, a support website for the University of, of Lethbridge. So t- talk to her afterwards, Marie.
3: Yeah. Hi, hi. My name is Laurie Schultz. Thank you very much for your presentation today. Sure. Um, my question is around uh, education on the uh, concept of uh, on the concept of consent for mm-hmm. children. And a moment ago, you mentioned that um, you have been invited by schools, and that mm-hmm. I think is terrific. But I'm wondering if you could just elaborate um, what what is in the current curriculum, school curriculum, to teach children about consent? And I guess um, from that, um, there is discussion about changing curriculum. Do you have any concerns around um, the the whole concept of consent um, being diluted? Diluted.
1: Well, uh, first off, consent isn't diluted in the criminal code. Uh, and so there's been updates to that. So I would say that's always the go-to resource about what is current regarding consent. Uh, second, I don't know where curriculum is going to go, and I even think for the uh, for the government that's coming in right now, and we do have the new MLA here, I don't know, it may be too early to talk about what those changes would be, but certainly we'd be interested to look at what that is. Uh, there was new curriculum that was uh, adopted this last year that actually looks at truth and reconciliation and those types of elements for uh, for Indigenous populations as well, and to bring that more into the schools, and along with that came education around uh, sexual violence, sexual assault as well within within the school curriculum. I'm not too sure. I'm not as up on what that reads as. I think I was just starting at the centre at that time, so I didn't, honestly, I didn't read that stuff. I was too busy trying to get a business number. Um, so, so that was what was going on. Uh, so we can look into that. But certainly I think we need to be very aware if there's gonna be changes in curriculum, what that looks like. Consent again isn't something that's is just taught in school. So I, I have to reference that it is something that we have to be teaching throughout our lifetime. It's something that starts as soon as that child is born on what consent looks like and what, what that, and, and what we need to do. So both by how we set boundaries, um, how, we, uh, how we touch and how we interact, how we do that in our communities with our neighbors and our friends uh, when you're at the local pub, whatever that might be. So all the, these are all ways that we teach consent. I think we also need to move away, maybe not completely move away from the language of no means no, but also to talk about, you know, consent is really about giving that authority to someone else to do something with you, either sexually or in business or in whatever. These are conversations we have every day and are very commonplace. So we need to demystify some of what consent means as well so it's not this big scary thing. When the legislation first came in, I know we had a lot of adolescents that were really scared about, well, who am I allowed to date now? Um, and some of it was pretty you know, commonsensical. but there are quick little charts. In fact, there's one in our thing that shows the age differences on what's acceptable under the law uh, for that to use as a guide. Uh, so we can certainly get more information out there, but we'll watch watching to see what's going to happen with the curriculum. I don't know if that fully answered your question. It's my way of saying, I don't know. <laughs>
7: Bev mundell thank you very much for your talk. <clears throat> In particular, um, as an educator, I'm very, very concerned and have been very concerned my whole life about bullying mm-hmm. and I see sexual assault under that big umbrella of bullying mm-hmm. and imposing one's will on someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talked a lot about empathy, and I feel that that's part of the key. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really laud the uh, <coughs> the public schools for having their Roots of Empathy programs. Mm-hmm. I hope they're still going on. I'm not too sure either, to be honest. That was where babies were brought into the classroom, mm-hmm. and uh, and children would get to interact with the baby once a month during the course of the entire year. And it really made children quite sensitive. Anyway, so I'm wondering, since we've got our past MLA, our fabulous Maria Fitzpatrick, and we have our new L- MLA for Lethbridge East, who's, who's learning, and he's got a steep learning curve ahead of him, Nathan Newdorf, mm-hmm. I wonder, um, where does your funding come from? And, um, you know, it would be good for oh. our, uh, our provincial mm-hmm. um, Legislature to be supportive of these kinds of things that help our society So maybe you could tell us where the funding comes All from. All right,
1: so uh, the bulk of our funding about four hundred forty thousand uh, dollars Comes from the community and social services through the through the province We've also received uh, funding through victims of crime for an additional worker for court and police support and a small amount of uh, amount of money from um, Alberta status of women, again, more to do with the May events that we're doing and some of the curriculum that we're doing around that. Uh, So all of it is provincial funding. We've just received our charitable status as of April 1st, which means then we can look at some of the fundraising. Obviously, we have a very small staff group, and so fundraising lands on my desk, which isn't necessarily... I don't always like asking for money. So, we are, again, grant-dependent, but this, I think, is something that happens with most not-for-profits or charities, that you're grant-dependent, typically from the province. Uh, We will be looking at some uh, federal funds as well as then some uh, donated funds, but, yeah.
8: Thank you, Christine. Barb Phillips, excellent presentation. And yes, I too, I can't remember, was I 13, 14? You know what, I don't remember any of those dates, Uh, but I was sure triggered when uh, Professor Ford had mm-hmm. to go in front of that hearing, the Kavanaugh hearing. So anyways, I didn't kind of get peace till about two years ago when that brother-in-law passed away. So mm-hmm. I don't know, it took a lot, it's taken a long time. Mm-hmm. My focus and my question, you've partially answered it, is that I think a lot of this will come from education. And so I'm a big advocate that right from the get-go that education starts it starts with the parents and i'm proud when i hear my little four-year-old grandson say well you know i have a penis and she has a vagina that's Mm -hmm. good (laughs) you know what and i think it needs to be in our school system and this idea right from kindergarten up that we put a big stress on this in our curriculum in sex ed this stuff needs to be brought out from wherever it's been for the last, my whole lifetime, and I'm 70, so, Mm -hmm. your comments. It really
1: shouldn't be silence, and it is really something that should be part of all of our discussions, uh, and part of all of our work. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Yes.
3: Uh, Hi, I'm uh, Liberty. I'm kind of, uh, I just uh, came here because of my dad, because I was uh, interested in this, and I guess, I hope this question doesn't sound like too ignorant, but what uh, what do you like? Do you have any kind of like tips or advice or um, h- help for um, pe- people who might be kind of on the ground, le- uh, like uh, level of those things? Like, what happens when you think that someone might be, you know, being um, sexually like, har- like harassed or abused? What what to do if like y- you think that that's like happening or? is happening right now, like, I guess, you know, like, of course, the obvious answer is to, like, call the police, I'm I'm not sometimes, sure. Sometimes, sometimes
1: not, right? Yeah. You know, probably the most obvious, if it's someone that, that you're close with or you're seeing it at work, if you're seeing it at a, at a get-together that you're at, is to ask the person if they're safe, to ask the person if there's anything that they'd want to talk about, is there something going on, because I have a feeling that, you know, something's not right. Um, and let them lead the discussion from there. If you're at, uh, you know, things that we've heard, I know we were, I forget who I was talking with yesterday, and I, oh, I was at a rotary club yesterday, and I said, you know there's some simple things we can do if we're at a get together and if there's drinking going on, and you see people hauling someone who's really inebriated into a bedroom or someplace uh, private, is to, is, is to interject. If you're scared to interject, you create a distraction. Hey, someone's toying your car. Whatever that might be, to create the distraction or call for help or get a buddy to go with you to to intervene to see, because obviously when you're intoxicated, you can't, make, you can't give consent. Um, there's things that we do, again, when you hear a rape joke, to stand up and say, that's just not appropriate. Again, sometimes people are much more shy than that. But getting used to being able to talk about the topic, being used to the language helps us to have those conversations. Sometimes having someone with you to also back you up is a good thing, um, or calling for help. Um, but those are really simple things. The same thing with domestic violence. When we saw someone with a bruise, we would say, hey, what happened? What happened to, for you to get that bruise? They might tell you or they may not. I'm a little concerned, you know, but I'm here if you need to talk to me. It opens up the door and that window of opportunity for them to,
3: to speak with you as well. Thanks. You're quite welcome.
0: And, and, and they may not tell you right away, no, but they may, may the door may be open so that then they know you're safe yeah. and they can come back to you another time. Yeah. Uh, as Doug's going up there, we just want to recognize that our new MLA, Nathan Newdorf, is mm-hmm. here. So thank you for coming today.
8: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, of course, we always appreciate Maria comes too often. <laughs> 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 um, one comment... Um, mm-hmm as far as how we let children know what the boundaries are uh, and how we n- let them know that it's safe. We know from research that children observe what we do mm-hmm. more than they hear what we tell them. So if we're doing what is appropriate, setting boundaries and being respectful of other people's boundaries, we're giving that message very clearly. Mm-hmm. True.
2: Douglas Mitchell. Cassie thank you very much for your presentation. I just want to bring the reflections of a 90 plus year old uh, to you about how things have changed over these 90 odd years. Uh, I and my wife were both raised in the old country. Uh, I spent four years in the forces part of the time here in Canada I must say and uh, I have great difficulty in coming to grips with the changes that have occurred, mm-hmm. mostly which some of which provoke uh, sexual violence. And my wife is particularly concerned about the provocation that is caused by women with some of their dress codes, which can be provocative mm-hmm. I, for somebody who has got... Uh, an over <laughs> strong libido <laughs> or sexual drive. And I, I think we always feel that the men are, are the ones that are to blame for so much of this. And I wonder if you would address the question of the role of women in provoking sexual violence.
1: Well, I'll be very blunt. Um, I, I don't believe that a victim ever asks to be raped. Uh, No one asks for that. I don't care if you're a prostitute or, or what's going on in your life. No one asks to be raped, woman, child, or man. It doesn't matter. What someone is wearing is their reflection of themselves. Now, my son will say, I have a very strong inner prude. So when his girlfriend comes over and they say, oh, she's going to spend the night, I say, well, that's great. She can sleep upstairs and you can sleep downstairs. And he tells me, mother, get over it. It's like, nope, don't have to. I've got a strong inner prude. And so I appreciate, I also appreciate, I work with young people, and I have worked with young people for many, many years. Uh, We have dress codes for work, and even now I'm much more liberal with my dress code. I want you to wear clothes that are going to instill confidence in those that we are here to serve. That's the only dress code I have. And I'll correct you if it's really out to lunch. It's not what you're wearing that, that creates a sexual assault situation. It's not what you're saying that creates a sexual assault situation. The only thing that creates a sexual assault is the perpetrator. It is not about sex. It is not about what you're wearing. It's about power and control. But I also have to appreciate, I too have to bite my tongue uh, when I see certain dresses. Honestly, I don't want to see your bras. I don't want to see anything because, you know, I like things covered. But that's my judgment, and I have to own that. So yes, sometimes it's uncomfortable, but it doesn't create the sexual assault, yes. That's a good spot. Oh,
0: Carol, one
9: more. Okay, we'll let you go, Carol. I'd just like to tell you about a teaching experience. Mm -hmm. I taught ESL at the university, and I asked foreign students to to give me a three-minute talk on what influenced them in their life the most. And a little Chinese girl got up who could hardly speak English, and she told us in the classroom it was rape. Mm. And she said she'd never told anyone, and I don't know how she had enough guts to get up in the class. And the boys in that class all hooted and hollered and said, oh, it was your own fault. She was good-looking. Really? Mm-hmm. And I said, as a, an instructor, shut up. <laughs> and later I <laughs> And later I found out the university could have fired me.
1: Well, good for you for taking that strong stance. Um, And again, it goes to show, it's those fleeting moments of trust that people have when you get the disclosures of what's going on. I've had disclosures from kids when I was doing dishes with them. They didn't have to make eye contact. Uh, All of a sudden, you're in the rinse cycle, and they tell you about how stepdad had diddled them for the last five years. Oh, let's talk about that a little bit. What would you like to see happen? You know? I had a, someone who worked for me for many years, and we were outside a restaurant, and someone else said, oh, I guess I've survived. Oh, it's like Thelma and Louise, you know, that movie. She said, other than the rape thing. And all of a sudden, someone said, oh, I was raped. Then it happened when my kids were little, and the neighbour came over. She had never told anyone before. But there was that moment, and I don't know if it was just the galvanising of women being together for lunch, and she felt safe or what it was, but there it was. And it's the most, it's at very different times that you get these conversations. And even working in the field, and I'm sure, you know, uh, Maria's had it when she's gone out for lunch after she talked about her experiences in her life. Uh, Mary's probably had it when she's gone out for lunch, when people get to know you. I can be sitting at lunch at a restaurant with my husband, and when I go to go to the washroom, I'll have a waitress or someone else tell me their story. And you stop, and you listen, and you believe, And you give them the resources. And that's our role. So I hope and I invite you all to recognize that you have the power to end sexual violence and to go out there and conquer the world for us. And we're ready, right? Thank you, Christine. Thank
0: you.